0: Welcome, welcome to City First Church. We are so glad that you're here. Whether you're joining us from Cape, State Stateline area, watching online or here at Spring Creek, we're just so glad that you gave us a little bit of your weekend. We don't take that for granted. And come on, can we make some noise for our God Behind Bars locations? <laughs> uh, as we start wrapping up the summer, it seems like the summer blew by. I can't speak for you, speak for me. And uh, as we kind of enter into the fall, going back to school, uh, one of the things we realize is that it, it takes a lot to educate a city, now more than ever. Um, and we realize that for educators, for parents, there's just more weight on all of us. In fact, um, if you are a teacher here today, would you just slip up your hand so we can just see who you are? Come on, can we make some noise for all of the educators, principals? God bless you. Uh, We just think what you do is absolutely incredible. We couldn't, We I don't, we found out how valuable you were in COVID. Okay, when y'all sent us our kids home, we was like, wait, 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 wait. You want us to do the math? No, no, you do the math. So uh, we just, we so appreciate you and I want you to know that we're going to be doing 21 days of prayer and we've got you in mind. And so during 21 days of prayer, um, we're going to be doing some things on social and on our app that we want you to stay connected with. So first thing I want you to do. Once you download the app, uh, you'll find daily prayer focuses on there. You can sign up for daily emails. If technology is something that is intimidating to you, we understand. Uh, maybe ask your grandkids. They might be able to help you. Uh, number two, uh, you can follow along on social media, Instagram, Facebook. I think a TikTok is in the works, but don't go there yet. We're going to stick with just Facebook and Instagram for now. And you can always just go to the website, cityfirstchurch. 21 days of prayer, and uh, we're just, we're believing God's going to do some great things over the next three weeks as we prepare for the fall. Secondly, starting a brand new mini-series today called How to Be a Superhero. How to be a superhero. Growing up, I was fascinated by superheroes, Superman, Saving Lois Lane. I always like, was waiting for somebody to fall off a of building. I'm like, I'm going to catch them, Ryan. No, you're not. Okay, you're not Superman. Okay, they're going to die if they fall when you're there, okay? But even as an adult, I still find myself fascinated with superheroes. I love all kinds of superheroes. If there is a superhero movie, whether it's big box, box office or low-budget film, if the main character has any sort of powers at all, they can fly, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm Like, oh, let's just go see what they talk about. You just never know what's going to happen. Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Avengers, you name it, I'm here for it. The other person in my house that loves superheroes is my son. The only problem is his fascination with superheroes goes to another level. He believes he is the superheroes, Okay. He actually believes he's Captain America. He believes he's Spider-Man. He believes that currently he's a, a, a monster from Space Jam 2. I'm like, you're not a monster and you don't want to be a monster, okay? He's got the Captain America shield that makes noises. He'll be jumping off stuff, testing his athleticism, slinging a web, trying to be Spider-Man. Every now and then he'll just yell out, I'm Black Panther. He'll just scratch you for no reason. I'm like, it's not Wakanda forever, okay? You're going to get your butt whooped forever, okay? You better calm down. Now, I think for a lot of us, when we think of a superhero, we think of somebody that has superpowers, somebody that's got x-ray vision, somebody that's got super strength, somebody that's faster than a speeding bullet. But for the next two weeks, when you think of a superhero, what I want you to think of is someone who has simply figured out a way to make a difference in the world around them. That has simply said, I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to look for people in my life that say, They could use some help, and I'm going to do something about it. Uh, Whether you're a church person or not, I think every single one of us was put on the planet to make a difference. And so over the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to talk about a way that I think that we can make a difference. And the way that I think that you and I can make a difference in the world around us is through a lifestyle of generosity. lifestyle of generosity. And I believe that over the next couple of weeks, if you'll lean in, I believe this mini-series could absolutely change your life and perhaps set you on a course that you've never been able to see before in your life. I want to look at a young man in scripture today found in Mark chapter 10 who had an opportunity to make a difference, but unfortunately he walked away from it. I'm gonna give you a little secret of mine of how I read the Bible. The way I read the Bible is. I'm reading stories, and on the side notes, what I'll write is, don't be that guy. Or B, you want to be this guy. And unfortunately, Mark chapter 10 is one of those moments where I just said, Ryan, whatever you can do, don't be this guy. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 says this. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He ran, he kneeled, and he asked a really good question to a really good man. Verse 19 says, you know the commandments. Jesus said, you know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All these I have kept since I was a boy. When most people hear the commandments, they typically think of what? Ten. But Jesus only listed six. He gave him a discount. I'm like, that's a good deal. I mean, when you think about just the list that he gave gave this man, I mean, like at first I was impressed with this young man. But then the more I looked at, it, looked at the order, I went, it's not that tall of an order. Just think about that for a second. Don't murder anybody. Anybody murdered anybody just in the last week? Anybody? Nobody. I think we're good. I think we're good on the murder thing for just the last week, okay? Like, if you clap, that means two weeks ago, you might have did something. But right now, I feel like we're all good with that one, okay? Now, next one. Uh, don't cheat on your spouse. Now, collectively, we might not be getting an A-plus on that one, but... If you are, you don't get extra credit for it. That's called Tuesday. Like you, like no one's like I made it all week and didn't cheat on my spouse. Nobody says that. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Be grateful for your parents. Listen, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but like I did that this week. Like that's not and and that doesn't that's not an indicator that I have a strong relationship with God. It kind of means I just kind of had a normal week where I didn't rob anybody. Like what are we talking about? I mean, it's, it's good if you've been able to pull that off. But if you met someone this week who said they hadn't murdered anybody, cheated on their spouse, stole anything, lied, cheated, or dishonored their parents, I don't think you would think more highly of that person whatsoever. I mean, if I was this guy, I'd have walked away right then because I'd have been like, pretty easy list. Great, see ya. Jesus gives this man a discount on the Ten Commandments, but then this next part of the story, if you've ever read the story of the rich young ruler, if you have any familiarity with this story at all, I've skimmed over this part way too many times. Because the scripture says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He looked at him and he loved him. I can't tell you how many people don't see Jesus this way. I can't tell you how many people don't have a picture of Jesus that is looking at them and loving them. Somebody needs to hear that today. I remember uh, my dad used to call me. He used to leave the same voicemail on my phone in college. Same voicemail about every other day. Didn't matter, without fail. And the voicemail would go like this. He would say, God loves you and I love you. And there's nothing you can do about either. And I used to be like, man, Dad, quit calling me. Until he was gone. And I can't tell you how many days I need to hear. God loves you, right? I don't know who really needs to just pause there before we get into some tough stuff that Jesus is about to say to this man that could be very tough for us. It says, he tells him, Jesus, I'm good. Jesus he looked at him and he loved him. He loved him before... He asked him to do anything. And some of us think, oh, if I just do a bunch of stuff, then he'll love me. Nah. He looked at him, and he loved him. After Jesus looked at him, and he loved him, he said, one thing you lack. He said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. then, come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. This is where the rubber meets the road for a lot of Christ followers. Ryan, I want you to pre Oh man, could you give us a really good message today? As long as it's not about my money. Some of us believe in the separation of church and the almighty doubt. It's like, whoa, like, like give me something about relationships. Like if you could just tell my spouse to get his act together, that'd be great. But as soon as we start talking salaries and dollars and cents, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, the scripture tells us that at this, the man's face fell. I can tell you, in church, where people's faces fall the most is during offering. It's like offering time comes. Let me check Facebook real quick, see what time the game is. I mean, I think we can kind of relate to this guy. I don't judge this guy. I'm just... I want to learn from this guy. And then, verse 23 says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it? I mean, like, if if you struggle to give, if you struggle to be generous, Jesus is going, I agree with you. It's hard. Because riches can have a hold on your life. It's hard to let go. Jesus says, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said it again. Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I mean, what a what, a, what an uncanny statement for Jesus to make. I want you to see... See this picture. Um, You can see um, someone trying to put an actual camel (laughs) through an actual eye of a needle. Um, And then um, there is, um, so there's two sort of uh, groups of people that sort of teach what did Jesus mean when he said this. There was an entrance at the gate of Jerusalem where, I mean, it was really small. And you can see uh, this girl who's like, she's like kneeling, just trying to even fit into this small entrance. It was very narrow. And the only way that a camel could get through it would be for it to fall on its knees and to strip it of everything. And maybe it could squeeze it. It was virtually impossible. Any Camel owner would just say, man, we're just going to take the long route. There's no way we're going to get in there. And then some scholars are like, no, it was literal. Regardless of which one is true of what Jesus meant, what we know for sure is Jesus is going, this is difficult. This is hard. This is impossible. And we know that just by how the disciples responded. Because the disciples we're even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? I mean, psh- how in the world could we do this? Jesus looked at them and said, what, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. If you are rich today, which you're, we're going to find out in a few moments, we are all rich. God's got to be in the picture. God's got to be in the picture. Some of us are like, it's an afterthought. No, it, we need God. And we need him back. Now, we call the man in this story the rich young ruler. But we only know that by putting together a few stories from three of the Gospels. In three separate accounts found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all tell the story of this man coming to Jesus with a very Important question. Matthew 19, Mark 10, Luke 18. That's where you'll see these stories. Now all three say he was rich. But only Matthew tells us he was young. And only Luke tells us that he was a ruler. That's how we get the story of the rich, young ruler. The term Matthew used for young was used for someone in their early 20s. Up until about the age 40. So we've got a person that's in their 20s, 30s. And the term Luke uses for rich, it was used to describe someone who was extremely rich. Do you know anybody in your life that you know that is extremely rich? I mean, when, someone, when somebody that I think is extremely rich, me and my friends, we call them rich rich. Like, oh, you Rich, rich. You got to say it twice to describe their situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, you two, you double rich, okay? I was at a friend's house uh, who had just built a brand new house. And you know when, it, when somebody's got a new house, they always want to do tours. Like, they work for the Statue of Liberty or something. Like, hey, come on, show you my house. I'm like, okay, cool. We're like, so we, we're doing this tour. And in my mind, I'm thinking, he rich. Yeah, 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 he, he got some nice stuff in here. Showed me the pool. I said, man, it's a nice pool, man. It's a nice pool. And then I was like... Is that your neighbor? Because I see another, what looks like another house. He goes, oh, let me show you that. And he showed me his indoor basketball court. I said, you rich, rich, rich. <laughs> we about to play 505 in here. I'm like, what in the world? is a whole other house. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, Ryan, this collection of verses is for your friend. Because I'm, I'm definitely not. Rich, I'm certainly not. Rich, rich. You know what I find interesting? Even when I talk to people who I think are rich, they don't see themselves as that. Like rich people are like, yeah, 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 I'm rich. You want to know why? Because rich people tend to think of people who are richer. And as long as we can think of someone who is richer than us, we can deem ourselves not rich at all compared To them, I mean, if you think about uh, like somebody that makes $25,000 a year, like you might make 50, you're like, I'm not rich. Well, according to who? I mean, somebody's looking at you like, baller. (laughs) Must be nice. Let me just give you some global perspective just for a minute, okay? Most people watching today's message are absolutely rich from a global perspective. Did you know that 82% of the world does not have a motor vehicle? 82%. Not a BMW. Not a Tesla. Not a Mercedes. A vehicle at... Oh, like you may have drove here today in a Lincoln Town car, a 1997. It's rusty and ain't got no air conditioning. You had to roll the windows down and somebody in a Corvette zoomed past you and pulled into the parking lot and you thought, great message for you today, buddy. Must be nice. The rest of the world is looking at you with your windows down, sweating, going, must be nice. Growing up, here in Rockford, you know, my parents had this minivan. They're like, yeah, hey, you can have this minivan in high school, which there's nothing wrong with a minivan unless you're like 17 trying to be cool. You know what I mean? Like, doesn't really work. And so I'm like, I'm going to make this minivan everything I can possibly make it. You know what I'm saying? I made mixtapes that I put in the radio. I'm like, oh, yeah, we about to, we're about to be rolling. And then I got some uh, like spinner hub caps on there, which was cool in 2002. Don't judge me. And so um, the one thing that I didn't do was ever change the oil. And so one day I'm driving this this beige minivan down perryville road and all of a sudden it just starts smoking and if you would have seen me that day, it would have just been a cloud of smoke moving down the road and i'm thinking to myself this is horrible but the rest of the world would be going must be nice must be nice i get friends who are like man i'm just ubering now in between jobs i'm like why are you talking about it like that you got a top 18 percent job buddy like where's our perspective like like someone else is looking at us going Must be nice. I want you to know that this is not a story for other people. This is not a story for somebody that lives in a gated community. This is not a story for somebody that's got a private plane. This is not a story for the person with stock options. No, this is a story for me. This is a story for you. And I have to think, what in the world would I tell this rich young ruler if he here at City First Church today. The first thing that I would tell him and the same thing that I'm going to tell you and the same thing I have to tell myself is number one, your stuff will get old along with you. Your stuff will get old along with you. Um, I was watching um, this interview of a bunch of celebrities that were asked the question, what would you tell your 2002 self? One guy said, "Um, what I would tell my younger self is don't buy all these cars. One day they'll get old and you'll be trying to figure out ways to get rid of them. And I'm thinking, dude, I watched you on MTV Cribs in 2002 and I was so jealous of you when you walked out to your fleet of cars and I thought, he's got it made. Except now he's walking out to that same fleet of cars 20 years later going, how can I get rid of you? How can I get rid of you? How can I get rid of you? And what I know about your stuff and what I know about my stuff is the older it gets, the more we want to get rid of it. What I would tell the rich young ruler is, one day you will be a rich old ruler along with your stuff. live in Dallas and, and was doing some spring cleaning. I said, babe, we, gotta, we, we, we got too much stuff. We got way too much stuff. These kids got too much stuff. They got way too many toys. We, when they go down for a nap, we're going to take about halfway their toys and put them in the car. I'm going to drive away as fast as I can. I'm going to take them to Goodwill and give them to some kids that's going to be grateful for these toys. Okay, So, I do that. I get to Goodwill. They said, we are no longer taking any donations. I said, what? you get Goodwill? Go to Salvation Army because y'all are playing games. All right, so, go over to Salvation Army. They said, we are no longer taking donations. I said, what in the world? How? This, is, this is what y'all do. I said, man, let me look up. I, I went to seven Goodwills and Salvation Armies. All of them said, we are no longer taking any donations. I said, I got to the last one. I said, man y'all, man, y'all get me driving around all day. I'm running out of gas. Listen, like, y'all need, like, what in the world's going on? They said, the fire marshal has shut us down. I said, man, what is going on? They said, a pandemic happened, and people sat at home and was like, we don't want our stuff anymore, and they all brought it here. Ladies and gentlemen, when I walked into this Goodwill, stacked to the ceiling was just stuff and toys, and I'm like, I'm not bringing my stuff back to my house. (laughs) But as I stood in that goodwill, I thought, this was all of our Christmases five years ago. And now we're, there was a line of cars behind me too. They're closed, they're closed. A bunch of us just driving around the suburbs going, "How how can we get rid of our stuff? How can we get rid of our stuff? How can we get rid of our stuff? But right now, we'll go, God, no, uh-uh, no, I, I, I got more stuff to buy. Christmas is, oh, yeah, yeah, I got to make sure. And we're going to be getting in lines, wrapping stuff for stuff we're going to be trying to get rid of. And I can only imagine what happened to the rich young ruler when he became the rich old ruler. I wonder if, he, if after he had said no to Jesus, he looked around at some of his stuff and thought, yeah, this is worth not following. King of Kings, I wonder what he thought when he heard that Jesus was resurrected. That man? I had an opportunity to do an internship with him? And what did I get in return for the stuff I bought? Name one thing that he had that we would want today. A pot? Really? You really want his pot? Like, what could he have purchased? And and right now, we have to look at anything that we buy now and just think, somebody... Years from now, is going to look at the stuff we have and go, man, I bet they're trying to get rid of it. The second thing that I would tell the rich young ruler, the thing that I would tell you, the thing that I have to tell myself often, is number two don't trade short term possessions for long term legacy. Don't trade short term possessions for long term legacy. One of the things that breaks my heart the most is watching people make decisions that fail to help them tell the story they want to tell about their life. And what I want you to do this weekend is to think about the end game. Think about when your life is over, what story do you want to tell? What story do you want others to tell about you? The stories of our lives happen one decision at a time. And what breaks my heart is I sit with young adults and I sit with just old adults and they're shocked at how they got their results. They're like, I don't know how I got here. I'm like, I don't know how you got here. I can tell you their name. I can tell you the year when you made a decision that got you on this path. And I can tell you one of the greatest decisions that you can make to have a story that you actually want to tell and for us to be superheroes is to make a decision to have a lifestyle of generosity. And I promise you, you will always have a story to tell. Some of the stories that we're often enamored by involve people having a lot of wealth. But I recently had an opportunity to sit with a new mentor who gives away 91% of his income. 91%. Him and his wife give away and they live off of 9%. And I thought, oh, I got a new person to be jealous of because you want to know what happened? We would sit together and for three hours, story after story, After story, after story, after story of the amount of people him and his family have been able to help in their lifetime. And I thought, you're my superhero. You're who I want to be when I grow up. We know of a lot of millionaires. We know of a few billionaires. How many people do you know in the world that would say, yeah, I'm... I'm going to give away 91% of our income. And here's what you're going to hear me say this week, and you're going to hear me say it a bunch next week. If you want to live like no one lives, you have to learn to give like no one gives. If you want to live like no one lives, you have to learn to give like no one gives. I'm telling you, the people that I know in my life that, I, that I'm the most jealous of are generosity rock stars. I mean, they go above and beyond. They have giving stories. Can I tell you something? Getting stories are are played out. This is like, okay, what do you get for that? What'd you win? It's not that you have to drive a car or drive like no one else drives or have a house like no one else has a house. No, but if you decide, you say, you know what? I'm going to look around the world and say, what can I do to help somebody else? That's how you be a superhero. What story do you want to tell? Who do you want to be? In light of who I think you want to be, I would be the most generous person in the room. And I know some of us are thinking, I can't. I can't, man. I got fixed income, man. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just man, I, can't. I can only do what I can do. Okay, so I'm not. Once my situation changes, then, then I can start changing some situations. But right now, I'm stuck. This is just the way it is, okay? I'm not giving, period. I love what Jim Rome, who is a motivational speaker, he says, if you don't like where you are, move. You are not a tree. I love that. Because some people just feel stuck. And he's just like, if you don't like where you are, move. Make a move. You can start being generous right where you are. Some people think, well, if the Lord gives me more, then I'll give more. You're not going to trick God into giving you more. He knows what you're going to do. Think you slick. Like, yeah, hey, God, wink, wink, go ahead, slide me 100 G's real quick. I, I slide you 10. That ain't no problem. God knows what you would do with 100 G's, but what you do with $100. And if you can't manage $100, well, you think, oh, but I would manage 100 grand. Well, would you? Those ha- it's the same habit. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to be generous with your life in light of the legacy that you want to live. What do you want your life to be marked by? And I can't answer for you, but I can answer for me. I want my my life to be marked by generosity. I want the people closest to me to say, nobody gave like Ryan. Nobody gave like Ryan. The third thing that I would tell the rich young ruler, and what I want to tell you, and what I have to tell myself often, is number three, live a life you would want the next generation to copy and paste. Live a life you would want the next generation to copy and paste. The Bible says with great power comes great responsibility. That's not true. That's from Spider-Man. That ain't in the Bible. Some of y'all was like, that's a good word! It's not. It's not. You're like, that's in Luke, ain't it? It's not. It's not. No. Uncle Ben said that to Spider-Man. Now, I want you to know the next generation is watching. Somebody is watching you, and I'm looking at this rich young ruler, this leader. Some had some sort of organization where there were people that were following him, that he was in charge of. And I can only imagine if he would have went back to his organization and said, "Hey, guys, we're closing up shop. We're selling everything. We're going to give to the poor." And we're going to make a difference in the world around us. And we're going to follow this guy named Jesus. Follow me as I follow him. And here's what I promise you. At the end of this journey, we will have a story to tell. So, fellas, ladies and gentlemen, we are thinking about the end game. When it's all said and done the story we want to tell, we want to make some decisions now to help us do that. Imagine what his life would have looked like. Imagine if he would have went back to them and said, hey guys, all the stuff that you see me getting, you see my great wealth, I just want you all to know it's just stuff. And they didn't have goodwill back then. They didn't have a So like, can you imagine if that guy would have just said I want to leverage my life to help other people. Today, I'm not insinuating by any stretch of the imagination that you should put your house on Zillow and give all of the proceeds to the poor. However, I am insinuating that you should do whatever God asked you to do. God asked this man to sell all of his possessions. What has God asked. You to do. You may not have even realized this. About your story. Over the last year and a half. Because I talked to a lot of people. About their pandemic story. and people, people struck. People had a really hard year and a half. But what. Most people in this room. And most of the people watching here. Don't. Realize and fail to realize is that part of your story is, did you know that if you gave $1 to City First Church, did you know that you fed over 115,000 people in the last year and a half? Did you know that? Like, think about that. You walk around, I'm like, how was the last year and a half? Man, it's rough, job stuff, but you know what? Man, I was a part of a community of people that fed 115,000 people. Sounds like a superhero to me. You know anybody else doing that? You ever seen somebody on Twitter? Yep, just helped 115,000 people, which I'll do today. Who says that? Superheroes. An opportunity today to purchase some backpacks. And when you saw that video, maybe, maybe you thought, I could do two book, two backpacks. Some of you are rich, rich. You saw 2,000. Man, you was like, man, I got 60 G's. Man, we're we'll going go ahead and help these kids. Here's why I love giving to church. Because some people think, well, I don't want to give to church. You're not giving to church. You're giving to God through the church. And do you see all of the stuff that we're consistently doing and all of the organizations that we are supporting together? So people ask me about money in, in church stuff. All the time, like, man, are you a tithe guy? Do you tithe the net or the gross? Do you do, you do your full salary, or you do it after taxes, after, after Medicaid, after Social Security? Like, where, where do you, where, where do you fall in line, Ryan? Um, I'm not a net guy. I'm not a gross guy. I'm an obey God guy. And for me, tithing was the starting line, not the finish line. And I started tithing. See, I'm about to be 35, so my parents would make me tithe on my allowance. So I've been tithing for about 32 years. That's where I started. But I have a relationship with God. And there's trust there. So because there's trust there, I'm not doing a lot of math and rounding down. And I can tell you, I won't tell you the story today. I'll tell it to you in about a couple of years. But God asked my wife and I to give more than we've ever given before this year. And I said, no. That's crazy. I'm not going to do it. Nope. But then I thought, what else are you going to do, right? I don't have a backup plan besides Jesus. He's my everything. Okay. I text my wife, I say, what I feel like the Lord wants us to do. She sent me back the emoji eyes like, are you sure? And all I can tell you is this, is we have a lot of stories to tell. And we have seen God be faithful to his promises. And all I can tell you is this, I'm going to say it one more time. I have never regretted obeying God. Ever. I've been slow to obey, if I'm being honest. But I've never regretted doing so. So all I would encourage you to do today is whatever God's been asking you to do, don't ignore it. Start somewhere. You can start being a superhero today. And it might just be one dollar for you. For some of you, it might be a lot more. But it's not about the amount. It's about the heart that simply says, Lord, I will obey whatever it is that you want me to do. Because if you want to live like no one lives, you have to learn to give like no one gives. God, I thank you so much for City First Church. I pray for every single person watching today's message. God, I pray... That you would help us be modern day superheroes. Help us to see needs all around us. And God, I pray that you would put us in a position to meet those needs. God, I pray that the collective resources of this community of believers would be able to meet needs all around the world in your name. Help us to have a lifestyle of generosity. In Jesus' name I pray, everybody say it. You may have found yourself at a place in life where you would say you've made some bad decisions. And you may not like the destination your life has arrived at currently. And Maybe for you, I would tell you a good decision for you to start today is to give your life to Jesus. It's to start fresh. So can we all just say this prayer together? Say, Jesus, thank you. For dying on a cross, for my sins, I ask now that you would be the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender every area of my life to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Come on, can we make some noise for anybody that said that prayer for the very first time?